The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful. Even as your father is merciful, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you see it, will be measured back to you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Dear friends, doesn't Jesus make it seem and sound so easy to love our enemies, do good to those who hate you, care for those who persecute and abuse you? Not only did he preach these words, he lived them out fully. It's easy to love those who are good to us, he said, but the benefit comes when we extend kindness to the unkind, love to the unloving, forgiveness to the trespasser. Give and it will be given to you is Jesus's promise. We never know just how God will use circumstances to bring redemption to his people. Surely Joseph, in our Old Testament text, had to wonder about his life, sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused and tossed into an Egyptian prison, then given a gift to interpret dreams. Joseph, through no intention of his own, gave his life for the sin of his brothers, that God might preserve a remnant of Israel to bless the nations. Jesus, with full intent, gave his life for the sins of the world to establish a remnant of believers from all the nations. 
Now we are called by Christ to give our lives in service and in prayer. This is the duty of the church. It is their shame when believers do otherwise as they act contrary to their Lord. You see, the saga of today's culture is exalting the great me. Yet some 2,000 years ago, Jesus addressed this very same issue with his words in today's gospel reading. Many times in our lives, we have to gain some distance from the hardships that we have endured to see that God was right there with us. He's guiding us, comforting us, and making a way where there seems to be no way at all. We can see in high insight how the Lord is using us, our trials and our experiences to bring about healing and wholeness for others in the name of Jesus. With a series of short statements in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gives his audience a pattern of life that is radically distinct from the world's way of insisting on our rights and getting even and making others pay for their transgressions. They are to bless those who curse them, pray for those who mistreat them. If someone slaps them on a cheek, they are to turn them the other also. If someone takes their coat, they are not to withhold their shirt from them. They are to do good to those who hate them. They are to be merciful, just as their heavenly Father is merciful for them. This pattern for living that Jesus gives is not in order to earn special blessings from God. No, it's the pattern of life for those who are already blessed. Those who are children of their Father in heaven. Not children of this world. And this pattern mirrors God's own merciful, self-giving love. With what Jesus calls the disciples to do, turn the other cheek to be slapped or giving their overcoat as well as their shirt or being compelled to walk with a heavy load for two miles rather than just one, lending to those who cannot repay, loving one's enemies, and praying for those who persecute them, Jesus is not saying that his people should become doormats to be trampled over. However, Jesus is giving us a visualization of how radically different from the self-centered world their lives are to be. They are not to be self-absorbed as the world is and insist on their rights while sacrificing the good of others at the altar of the self. They are not to give only if they can get something in return. They are not to breathe hatred, bear grudges, place conditions on forgiveness, or seek revenge. 
but they are to love all people and be merciful just like their heavenly Father. They are even to love their enemies. And Jesus says that we are to do the same. Now, surely that can't be right. We love those who love us, right? The good people, the ones that are like us. But surely not our enemies. Why would Jesus say that? If we were God, wouldn't we just wipe evil out and be done with it? But what behavior would be evil enough to stir us to take such action? What standard or benchmark would we use? Perhaps it would be the really big things, the really bad stuff, like maybe drug trafficking, prostitution, or terrorism would be fairly straightforward, and those are the things that we should just wipe out. Or would it? How about keeping the wrong amount of change that was mistakenly given to us? Would that be judged as quickly as robbery, tax avoidance, or embezzling church funds? If people do not get hurt, would something that was wrong change to being right or just okay? Would we be quick to condemn genocide yet be more permissive about legalizing abortion? Would situations, our needs, determine what was right and wrong? That is relative truth, isn't it? What kind of behaviors would even determine who our enemies actually are? We would all most likely have different morals and tolerances towards evil and what is acceptable. And that is the issue. Only God's standards is universally consistent. Not our truth, not relative truth, but his truth, the way, the truth, and the life. He gave us his commandments to show us what his will is for our relationship with himself and others, and to curb and restrain hurt and wrongdoing. I love this. Jesus says that we were given two ears, one ear for God and one ear for our neighbor, always to be listening for those needs and those commands. Yet the sh chilling shock for us is that when we reflect on the commandments, the law, we come to the realization that the end of evil that we wish for would, ha would leave none of us standing if we got our way. 
You see, even the worst atrocities that we witness on the news, they begin with the smallest, just a hint of a hurtful attitude or a selfish thought. Attitudes and thoughts which none of us seem to be exempt from. Our Jesus, he says today, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We can't do that ourselves for the problem of the great me is part of our natural human condition. Ever since Adam and Eve listened to Satan's temptation to distrust God's word and they went their own way. Did God really say The serpent hissed, and they fell for the serpent's lies, seeds, core, and all. Ever since then, we have all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. In today's text, Jesus is addressing his disciples and you, his disciples of today. By enemies, Jesus means enemies of his church. Those who reject Christ by persecuting and rejecting his people and his message that they bring. They are whoever refuses to listen to God or to worship him. And the Apostle Paul, he explains that because of sin in our natural state, we are all enemies of God, hostile to him. Romans 5.10 and 8.7. You see, the problem is that in our enthusiasm to wipe out evil by hating our enemies rather than loving them, we place ourselves under the same sentence for none of us can perfectly fulfill God's law. When we determine who is worthy of our love, mercy, grace, and our forgiveness, and to whom we should turn the other cheek or go the extra mile with, we, in effect, are saying to God that when we fail and fall short, that we should be judged by the same standards. Refuse to forgive our sins as we refuse to forgive others. Or place limits and conditions on our mercy to us as we place limits and conditions on showing mercy To others. That that is not a good place to be, for we have just passed the same judgment on ourselves. When we refuse to love our enemies, seeking revenge and retaliation, getting even with our offenders, and insisting on our own rights, we are only treating them the way that the world does. But God did not try to get even with us and make us pay. It is when we are sinners, while we are enemies of God, that God not only loans to us, we who have nothing to repay him with, but opens the storehouses of heaven and pours out the treasure trove of his riches for us, sending his own son into this world. This is how God shows his mercy to us. 
It was Christ who came all the way from heaven to earth for you to perfectly fulfill the law for you. Although he was completely innocent, holy and righteous, he walked to the cross to take our place, receiving the punishment for evil and sin that we deserve. It was Christ who was persecuted for you. He turned the other cheek when he was struck and slapped before the high priest. He was forced to walk the extra mile to Golgotha and bear the crushing burden of sin of the world upon his shoulders. Jesus came to reconcile the world, even for those who are most wretched of criminals, the least deserving to his father in heaven by his own precious blood. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are no longer enemies of God, but his friends. Even more, united to Christ and his own death and resurrection in baptism, Jesus' Father is now our Father, who loves us perfectly and calls us his own dear children. He has washed us And he calls us his own dear children. He has washed us and given us his forgiveness, freedom and fullness of life through faith in Christ. We receive Jesus's own righteousness so that even though we can't be perfect, Our Heavenly Father says that you have lived as perfectly as Jesus himself. God gives to us and does for us what we are powerless to do ourselves. And he plunges the great me into our baptism each day to be drowned. And then we shift from my will be done To thy will be done. And we really believe that. Dear saints, we are truly free. And not as the world defines freedom, but as God defines it. Jesus has made the way for us to overcome evil with good. And to sacrifice self for the good of others by showing mercy to others. He has freed us to die to ourselves and with it the human desire to get even and make those who wrong us pay. He has freed us to pray for our enemies rather than to curse them. He has freed us to welcome those who are not in our circles, who we call our brothers and sisters. He has freed us to really love. And not just a shallow, reciprocal love like the world, showing care if we can get something in return, but loving with the merciful love of Christ, even to our enemies, just as God has first loved us and still shows us his mercy each and every day. 
Martin Luther, he wrote this. The article of forgiveness of sins is the most important, and it is of all most comforting. To Satan, it is truly the worst, and it is the most hateful. This is the reason why Paul always has on his tongue grace, grace, grace. He does this despite the devil. And so, living out our baptism each day is a life which focuses on going that extra mile. For it is a life redeemed by the precious blood of Christ, freed by God's own mercy, and shaped by his love. Jesus, in his redemptive work, went further than the law demands, laying down his life for the sins of this world. He commands us to do more than what is expected. We are to love not just those who we call neighbors, but our enemies too. We are to give our lives for them in prayer and in service, expecting nothing in repayment or reward other than to be known as those of the family of God. For this is what a son or daughter of the kingdom does with nothing in it for ourselves, nothing received in return, but simply because this is what love is and the way, the truth, and the life that we are called to live. You are truly blessed. Amen.